0: Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. Of course, that's what we do each and every week. And we're going to do it with Keely Yore today. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. We think we're going to move the Ryan and Keely show probably to Wednesdays because we got our Tunnel Vision show every Sunday night. We're going to do a Harvey Hyde podcast on Monday. So maybe to space things out a little bit, we'll move this podcast to uh, Wednesday. Uh, for the foreseeable future. And then look uh, later in the week for the family feud podcast to drop. You got Keely, your shotgun Spratling and Chris Trevino on that one. But hopefully you can tune in on Sunday nights. Tunnel vision was uh, rocking this last Sunday. And we had over 500 people live on YouTube alone. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. And if you have any questions for this show, you can email us. That's a good way to get a hold of us. Podcast at USC football. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too, 424 254 And then on Apple Podcasts, which I now have an iPhone, so I'm part of that clan now, uh, please subscribe to the Parastyle Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. That is awesome. Helps us so much. And any kind of review you have with comments, feedback, suggestions, uh, or any questions you have, we'll bump you up to the top of the list. So try that out. On Apple Podcasts. I got to leave one myself. I probably shouldn't review my own show, but I'll review some other ones because now I have the Apple Podcasting app. I can review other people's podcasts. Uh, but anyway, want to welcome in Keely Yore to the show. Keely, how are you doing today?
1: Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well. How are you doing?
0: You know, it's uh, people that were thinking like 2021 is going to be like so much better than 2020. I don't know. <laughs> not, not so much so far, but hey, you know, we're <laughs> we're here.
1: We're here. We're, we're yeah. doing a podcast. That's all we can really do right now, right? <laughs> if you feel like, uh,
0: you know, like New Year's Eve, you're like things are going to get so much better. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. It's been like a week or so of 2021. Seems a lot like 2020 so far, but we do have some big USC football news and stuff to talk about. Were there any new reviews on the Apple Podcasting app, Keely?
1: There actually wasn't, Ryan. Oh, so. Okay,
0: so we're we're blank today. All right, well that means yeah. you guys got to get out there and get, put a review in there. Um, I'm still figuring out how to use that, you know, the <laughs> podcasting app. I'm used to the Google podcasting app. So now I got to get used to the, the, uh, Apple one. Uh, but I started listening to some stuff. Are you a podcast listener at like super speed?
1: Uh, I started off not as one and I'm slowly getting there. Now my preferred is one and a half. Sometimes I'll go to two. That's pretty much it That's for me. That.
0: See, I was doing like 1.2 or 1.3 and that seemed fine. Like you get some extra time. But like on the app, I asked you and you told me like, yeah, the Apple podcasting app, it's only like one or 1.5. You, there's no like in between. Um, yeah. Spotify, you can do that. So if you listen on Spotify, which we're on all that stuff too. Um, but so I don't know. 1.5 is a little fast, but it worked. You know, it it does work.
1: Yeah. No, it's I. it depends on if you're used to who you're listening to, because then you can kind of pick up the way they speak. Otherwise, if it's a new podcast, I kind of listen to it slower. So I think it's a give and take.
0: I, I can't imagine twice as fast. Like that seems a little crazy, but okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we sound pretty funny when we're in half speed and, and two and a half speed. So, uh, twice the speed it's 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 interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting. Little, but little bit chip monkey, little chip monkey. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I think one point five will be okay now that I'm trying it out with the uh, Apple Podcast app. But before it was just sort of like yeah, one point two, the one point three. That's that's plenty. Um, but you know, I listened to a couple of podcasts at that speed and it didn't seem to have, I think I, you and Gerard, I listened to you guys on that speed and oh, it wasn't too bad, but, okay. uh, you, you know, Gerard kind of can roll some words together quickly. So if you get a lot of <laughs> like quick words together, sometimes it makes it a little difficult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. But then you get into the problem that I have where if you try and go back to normal speed, they sound drunk. So, <laughs> so uh, you get used to people talking at a certain speed, so.
0: It's, you just got to choose. Yeah. You just squirt, squirt, you know, uh, squish it all in there, but you can listen to more shows for sure. I went for a, like a long walk yesterday. And I put two podcasts on at that speed. It's like, wow, I got there two podcasts on a walk. It was pretty good.
1: See, um, there you go.
0: Yeah, it was a long walk, but it's still, uh, all right. Well, before we jump into everything, I just want to thank our sponsor Trader Joe's. They're back for another year sponsoring the podcast. So we really appreciate them. And I uh, just was at Trader Joe's today. I went a couple of days ago and I picked up, uh, some I haven't bought from Trader Joe's before these flour tortillas. And, uh, they, I think I bought some older ones, but they were starting to get a little mold on them and I brought them in and they're like, yeah, we'll swap them out. No problem. And he said, did you keep them in the fridge? I'm like, no. And they're like, well, you should, because there's no preservatives in our food. So if you have any baked goods, you don't want to you know, leave it out. So I'm like, ah, smart." So now my new tortillas are in the fridge so I can make some breakfast burritos and stuff. Uh, but they're very nice about it. like they've not, you know I haven't I don't remember bringing anything back to a grocery store before, and they like just they didn't look at the receipt and they yeah yeah sure go get another one it's like oh well thanks um, that's
1: nice yeah
0: but they've been great uh, during the pandemic you always feel safe uh, when you're in there picking up fruit I picked up some uh, citrusy stuff today Keila. I'm gonna try to make some little homemade margarita at home I Ooh, think you know I nice. I'm getting I'm getting into those a little bit you gotta
1: you're getting you know, crafty
0: yeah. And, uh, but you get some lemons, some limes, uh, a little orange in there, squeeze it all together. And they got some, they have a good, uh, a variety of tequila there too, which I didn't even realize I would pick up beer and wine, but they got all that stuff there <laughs> at Trader Joe's. So, um, yeah, that's my go-to, but thanks again to Trader Joe's. They've been, uh, awesome with us and we really appreciate them. we got some gift cards for the, uh, for the crew. So I don't know if you got to use yours yet, Keely.
1: Not yet. I but I will soon. I, I'm I'm a gift card hoarder, so I haven't spent it yet, but I will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to remember, like if you get one, you have one. But I keep it in the yeah. car. So yeah. So I used I used one today, so it's good. Um all right. Well, thanks for Trader Joe's again. Let's move on. Uh, we have a little bit of uh breaking news. So we've talked on the other shows about the players that have decided to enter the NCAA draft. And up until this point, they've all been uh, draft-eligible juniors. They're guys that have been in the program uh, for three years. Uh, we did learn this week that Tyler Vaughns, uh, he's a senior, uh, he's decided to enter the uh, NFL draft. And not a huge surprise. We talked about he could potentially come back and play a sixth season. Um, and w- if he did, would break all of the USC receiving records. Uh, But it's time. I think he's going to be turning 24 pretty soon. So um, good time for him, I think, to to move on the NFL. Not a big surprise, but really the first uh, senior. And you know, as you know, with the NCAA rule and and the 2020 stuff, seniors can come back and play. Uh, No one's eligibility advanced in 2020. So if you were a redshirt senior, you could still come back and play. And we've seen some guys across the country kind of declare. No one really at USC has declared they've come back. But Tyler Vaughn's the first guy, Keeley, to say he's actually going to uh, leave that you know, gift year of eligibility on the table and go to the NFL.
1: Yeah, it wasn't really unexpected in that sense. He's your guy, though, Ryan. How do you feel about that?
0: <laughs> it's tough, man. He is, he is my guy. Uh, But it's great. You know, wish him the best. And uh, just his, like, silky smooth. I think that's what's going to impress uh, NFL scouts is just how smooth he is. He just looks like a receiver. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't think he's you gonna know, set the combine on fire, but I think he'll do do pretty well.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate though that this was a six game season because he left as USC's third all time receptions leader with two hundred and twenty two catches and the Guy number one was Robert Woods, who had 252. So if there was a full season, you got to think that he breaks that record and becomes USC's all-time receptions leader. So that's unfortunate in that sense. And, you know, Tyler Vaughn is always a great guy to talk to, would always have time to talk to you at practice and whatnot. He was actually one of the first guys that I covered from start to finish, like basically in high school, covered his signing day, uh, and then saw him leave. So uh, this one's a sad one for me because he's one of those guys who's been there for the majority of my time. So wish him nothing the best going forward
0: wait, how long have you been around Keely? it crap. Like,
1: A long time, right? <laughs> I was an intern though. I was an intern when I covered his, his like high school days and, and his, uh, signing day. Yeah. Him, um, Trayvon, Sidney. And I think Frank Martin came and watched their signing. So yeah, TBT.
0: That was, yeah, that was some crazy stuff back then when they had those two guys from the same high school. And
1: yeah,
0: obviously, uh, Trayvon, uh, transferred out, but yeah, we'll wish, uh, Tyler Vaughn's the best. Um, You know, not sure. I haven't seen any sort of marked drafts where he would be in there or where they projected him. But, you know, is he going to be like a fourth, fifth-round pick? Maybe something like that. Uh, It'll depend on how he shows out combine-wise or, um, you know, pro day, things like that. But uh, just I think they're going to like – because the most important job for your receiver is to catch the football, and he's really good at catching the football. So if he doesn't have the fastest 40 time or – the you know, the highest vertical leap or any of that stuff, fine. But he actually I think he jumps pretty well because he gets a high up there and, and high points yeah. the ball. But he yeah. can catch the ball and that's that's job one.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Ryan, at this point with a guy like Tyler Vaughn's leaving and then you look at like Almond Ross, St. Brown, this is kind of one of those classes where the guys who leave are kind of the identity guys, like the identity of the team. So I'm curious what it looks like if we see spring practice, you know, this will have to be, new guys will definitely have to step up, especially in that receiving core. But we did see that, you know, we saw Drake London and and Brew McCoy have their moments, but this is one of those like, oh, okay, this is a different identity. Because like the last time I remember that happening was like when Sam Darnold left after the... The 2017 season, the 2018 season was like, okay, this is a new team, and I kind of feel like we're on that brink going into this next season
0: 100%. And I feel like when you're talking about identity guys, yeah, Keaton Slovis is coming back and he's kind of like the identity of the offense, but you know, losing a Tyler Vaughn's, losing an Amon Ross St. Brown, like those guys really the identity of of the offense as far as the receivers and stuff go, or a, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Palierinote, maybe not an identity guy, but you know, he was one of those five star guys, those guy ranked high guys. But, you know, a Talanoa Hufunga for sure. You know, Elijah yeah. Griffin, the kind of swagger he would bring. There's, you know, the Marlon Tully Pelotus who really just burst on the scene uh this year. And of course, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, like those guys were the identity of this football team. And I had to do uh, a piece we're doing for some of the Pac-Twelve sites getting together and talking about who's transferred out, who's transferred in and how many guys are back and USC just when I you know did on the back of the envelope calculation thing has eight starters returning on offense again and seven on defense. But you know, the missing ones are pretty big ones, you know, um, with Farrah yeah. Tucker and St. Brown, you know, guys that have really productive that put in a lot, uh, of time out there. So yeah, I think that's going to be, um, interesting to see what this team looks like and who's going to step up and, and be, you know, be those identity guys because I, I think it's a great point the way you put it. Those guys are most of those identity guys are gone now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's one of those things where you just have to see the culture and and who really steps up. And we heard things. Um, coming into this season, that like guys on offense have kind of stepped up behind the scenes, and So I'm curious if that pays off coming into this next season and if we see other faces kind of uh, assume the role now that guys are leaving. So we'll see. but And, and we still have time to go. I mean, there could be Isaiah Polamau. He could leave as well. So And we've heard other transfer rumors. So we'll see. There, there could be more identity shifting in the future.
0: Definitely could. Um, you know, a guy like Marquis Stepp, who's in the transfer portal, I don't think like a Vavai Malapai or Stephen Carr would go in the portal, but I mean, they could most likely they would opt out and try to go to, to the NFL. If you really were unhappy with going on in the running back, you know, situation room. Um, you know, I I think USC is going to probably try to find a running back in the transfer portal. They'll probably try to find a left tackle in the transfer portal since there's no real heir apparent to Elijah Vera Tucker. Does a guy like Jalen McKenzie want to, want to transfer out. That would be a huge blow because you know, it's hard to replace one tackle. You're going to try to replace two again. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the second year in a row, you had the guys on st- you know, on the roster to do it this year, 2020, well, 2020, I don't think you have them in 2021 or you're going to be, there's going to be some guys that are making stretches to start at the tackle spots, unless you go in the portal and, and find somebody and, you know, and they, they brought in a safety, they brought in another defensive lineman from the portal but I think we're going to see some more of that, too. So I don't know if it'll be soon, um, but we, there's definitely guys for USC to watch that could enter the portal or enter the draft. And then us other guys that could come into the program from the portal.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned it and we put it in the war room, so I think I can mention it now. But we were hearing last week that Vavai Malapai was a guy who was eyeing the transfer portal, which doesn't really make sense considering his not only age, but how much he was used and kind of favored by USC staff. He kind of was seen as the guy, the most complete back, but I was hearing that he was a little frustrated just about the usage. And and I think there's this grass is greener on the other side for the running backs, just seeing how much they were used and, and the stats aren't appealing really. And so I think uh, USC staff kind of had to jump on that and try and convince him to stay a little bit. So right now he seems like he's staying, but that's something we were definitely hearing uh, last week and kind of the week before that Vi, in particular was one of the guys who was eyeing the transfer portal so and this is what I talk about when I say that like there after uh frustrating into the season there's a lot of emotions that arise and guys kind of put out uh, signals about hey transfer portal this transfer portal that and then sometimes the coach is going to w- word of that and, and kind of calm those those emotions down so that's why it's kind of a fluid situation whenever we talk about the portal but that was something that came up last week and we put it in the war room
0: yeah, the uh, and you know as a redshirt senior, you're really just transferring for for one year, but we've seen a lot of graduate transfers that, you know, that happen. Um sometimes it's a little harder, you know, if you're a quarterback and come in and start. As a running back, it's hard to just get all the carries anyway, so if, as a transfer to come in and want to get like more carries than what you're getting right now. It's not like it's a really deep running back room for USC, so I'm sure that's part of the sales pitch when you're trying to keep uh guys like that, but Nothing certain, and you know anyone is up for grabs. You just don't know, um, you know what's going to happen. Someone unexpected could could transfer. You could see like a Brandon Peely or something decide to go to the NFL. And you know, I yeah. think someone like him is should be coming back and and needs to put more tape on. You know, put more tape down and stuff for his draft stock down the future. But yeah, yeah. I mean. There might be a, a surprise or two. We didn't even expect like, wow, that guy's transferring out or that guy's going to the NFL. It's like, mm, didn't there's expect always that
1: one guy. Yeah. There's always one guy who you're like, Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> like, Oh, he's just decided to go. Okay. You got
1: yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I know. It's a little weird. We uh, also I put up, uh, this is for our VIP members. If you're not, you should definitely, you're listening to this podcast you can, for a dollar. You can get, you can join the VIP, you know, uscfootball.com team. You got to get over there and check it out. Get on yeah. the peristyle. For a buck, I mean, how it's just it's a no brainer. So get over there and try it out. But we I have the hot board up, uh, a lot of candidates for the uh, USC offensive line position. So you can you can read that and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of guys that you know couple that with USC ties, but mostly it's like kind of Graham Harrell or Air Raid ties. The one thing when you saw Tim Dremno get hired, he didn't have any ties to the Air Raid and it seemed like that was somewhat of an issue where maybe it was, you know, it was Tim Drevno learning on the job like uh, the players were in a lot of the instances, but he was hired in a weird way to coach the running backs, which didn't make a lot of sense. They should have got rid of Neil Callaway earlier than they did, but then they get rid of him during the season. And then they moved Tim Drevno over. Then they switch the offenses, but they keep Tim Drevno, which we thought you're going to bring in an offensive line coach. That's, more of an air raid guy that wasn't the case is it a coincidence that the offensive line was struggling and the running game was struggling I don't know hard to say but obviously there's something there because now USC is looking for a new offensive line coach Keeley.
1: yeah that's the thing is it's a little bit like okay well something had to give you know we talked about how there were so many issues and it seemed like from the coaching staff at least publicly they didn't really uh admit that there were any issues and then you see a move like this and you go, okay, someone internally knew that something needed to be changed. So uh I, I had also heard that there were part of what influenced the decision was uh Drevno's recruiting ability as well. That also hurt USC in the long run and we've talked about that extensively on this show. Um so that was just something where they needed a better fit, not only in scheme, but just in how they wanted to recruit the right players going forward. Um so so yeah, I mean it's interesting you have, uh, the national signing day coming up and you have last, last year's class. The hallmark of that class was so many offensive linemen and now you have a new guy coming in. So how does that work? I'm not sure, but we've seen from this new athletic administration that they are going to put the, the right strategies and the right uh, thought in place to bring someone in. We know with Dante Williams, that was a good hire. We're not talking about Corey Foreman. I don't think if you don't bring in Dante Williams, that was a really good boost, not only for uh, the secondary, but for recruiting. So I think so far, uh, I know USC fans are jaded, but I think you have to give credit for this administration that they're not pulling the USC moves we've seen before. Because the USC move would be like, oh, well, Vianney's already, Vianney telling my vow, the, the grad assistant's already named the offensive line coach today. You know, that, that'd be something back in the day. And the fact that we haven't heard that, I think it's a positive sign. But, you know, I, I, I was going through the hot board, right? And I think it's interesting. I think we just need to wait it out a little bit because I don't think they're in a rush to, to make the hire right now.
0: I think you're right. And the the weird thing is, and you talked about it, this athletic administration. And usually when you're talking about hiring assistant coaches, like if we're covering Alabama, would we be saying um, what the athletic director thought about bringing in a running backs coach? Like, no, you're talking about Nick Saban bringing in a running backs coach.
1: Yeah,
0: I think that's part of the problem, Keely, is we've seen the track record of Clay Helton hiring coaches. Now, some of that might have been, he didn't have the same kind of support from the administration. And maybe there was guys he wanted to bring in, but there was just seemed like time and time again, familiar was preferred, not someone that's really good at their job, if that makes sense. And now with the new athletic administration, it doesn't seem to be the case that that's what they're going to, they're going to go after the best guys. Um, and that's why, like what Keely said, I think this will take, a little bit longer. And you're not going to see guys where everyone's like, "Oh, it's just going to be Vivi Malapé. I mean, Vivi, yeah, Vivani Calmaiva, <laughs> Vivi, not Vivimalepe. Uh <laughs> uh Viani, you know, it's like, "Nope, they're not going to I don't think they're going to do something like it. that." Yeah. yeah. That was the old USC, and I don't mm-hmm. think But is the that's part of the problem, Keely, is that the new USC administration is it forcing Clay Helton's hand or is he on board? You know, um, we saw, you know, Dylan McCullough was like the one hire from outside. That was really good. And he only stayed a year and went to the pros, but he was great. The running backs got a lot better, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And when we question a hire, which this was prior to the new administration, I don't think the new administration would have let Clay Helton hire Tim Drevno when he did. And he, I don't think they would let him hire him as a running backs coach, which doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just like, I mean, you don't need to know a lot about football. It's like, well, that guy doesn't coach running backs, but you hired him to coach (laughs) running backs. And that guy's terrible at coaching the offensive line, but you're keeping him to coach the offensive line. If the administration, this current administration was around back then, they probably would have hired a really good offensive coordinator, uh, offensive line coach at the time. And you wouldn't have this mess now, but. He was just replaced two years ago. You fixed this problem two years ago, and now you have to fix it again. So I don't feel bad when we are questioning and hire back then because, like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, two years later, he's out. and like, well, that's why it didn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And, I mean, I think it's a twofold issue. I think part of it was that Clay Helton was very comfortable with his guys. Um, But I also think there is something to be said about the support you know, Clay Helton talks about like the support and resources he's got from this new athletic administration. It sounds like, uh, that past athletic administration wouldn't open up the purse strings, which makes no sense to me. Like, why would you keep Clay Helton, but not give him, if you think he's the guy, why not give him the resources to succeed if you're coming from that, that point of view? So I don't get it, but I also think Clay Helton is, is, at fault too, because there are moves that we all saw. Why are you keeping Neil Calloway still after this year? You know, I've talked about it literally on every podcast, I think this month, but it's just, it's, I think there's a difference we're seeing with this athletic administration. We haven't seen them make a weird move yet. And that's why I think you're hearing this positivity come from me at least, because we haven't seen a bad move so far. And I think they get it in that sense. Whereas beforehand, I think it was the, the, Lethal combination of Clay Helton being comfortable with his guys and also USC's athletic administration not willing to, uh, have to go out and pay the people that USC would want or pay the people who will bring in the results that they want, i.e., national championship caliber assistant coaches. I don't think USC's athletic administration wanted to do that prior to this new regime. So if it sounds like they're turning the page in that sense, and now we just have to wait and see if that's what really happens.
0: We do, and I feel like there's a couple ways this could go. So, we talked about it's probably going to take a little while. Don't expect something happening quickly. We haven't seen them just go out and make a hire today. Uh, That's just not been their MO. So, I would – maybe something happens faster, but I I would think this might take a little while. Don't expect, like, something next week. Um, But also – what kind of coach are you going to get? My gut is it's going to be someone that's been tied to an air raidy kind of system. And there's a bunch of guys on our hot board that coached for like Hal mummy or uh, Mike Leach, you know, a couple of the architects of this air raid, or, you know, had even worked with, with Graham Harrell before, or at least more of a spread kind of teams versus, uh, you know, fullback tight end, you know, you know, pound it kind of stuff, which was more of a Tim Drebno kind of thing, more of a West Coast uh, offense sort of deal. So I I feel like that's the way they're going to go. I know that's upset some fans, Keely. They're like the, the ones that don't want the air raid kind of stuff. But I think they're all in on Graham Harrell, and they're just going to try to get him a better offensive line coach. So my guess is it will be someone from the air raid family.
1: Yeah, I think that makes the most sense for what they want to do right now, which is basically replace that offensive line. Because if you're going to go with a non-air-raidy, quote-unquote, offensive line coach, then why are you having Graham Harrell there? You know what I mean? Then you might as well overhaul, overhaul the whole thing, and then why are we still talking about Clay Hilton being the head coach? You know what I mean? So I think uh, they have to try and get a better fit in that sense, and so uh, that's what we're looking for, so we'll see.
0: We will uh, we will definitely see about that. And, uh, you know, Graham Harrell's name does come up. I think his name has been associated with the Boise State uh, mm-hmm. job. So, you know, Graham, I mean, uh, Clay Hilton might be working to, to keep him uh, around, too, sort of like he what happened last year. But, you know, to be fair, USC's offense definitely took a step back. Uh, they had their sophomore slump or whatever you want to call it. Yep. And he might not be as, uh, I don't know, just... Shiny of a new toy for a, a new a different program he, the, the kind of candidate he was last year he might not be that high of a candidate this year,
1: yes and no. I feel like college football world they just get very excited and maybe don't look at the potential downsides ie maybe Texas making that huge move for Sark, but you know i it I think the promise of Harold will still have attractors for him, you know suitors
0: the, yeah the, I mean just the that scheme or that sort of system uh, a lot of people like but yeah you're right i mean the sark thing is interesting because uh you know there's cert- definitely some some risk there i think i was listening to it was one of the other it was a college national college football podcast i forget which one but they were talking about um you know look at the first couple of touchdowns alabama scored in that game uh, against notre dame like one was like a screen pass and one was like a handoff to Najee harris who jumped over a guy that's six feet tall they're like Did you call that play? Like, hey, (laughs) Najee, go jump over like the the head of a six foot tall guy. Like, yeah, if you got Najee, (laughs) you you know your play calling is gonna look brilliant, you know. And yeah, they lost like the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, they lost like the most explosive receiver in the country, and their other receiver won the Heisman Trophy. You know, so it's yeah, yeah. You got to be a little wary about. Yeah, it's awesome, but he was certainly driving a Ferrari and didn't screw it up, you know. Yeah, um, and,
1: and and to be clear, I'm not necessarily knocking Sark. I'm just more knocking the process of Texas saying that they were hurting from the pandemic and then making large moves for a coach that I don't think is like a world beater that would make those moves seem okay. Does that make sense? Right.
0: Hundred percent. And when the athletic director comes out a couple of weeks ago before signing day and says, you know, we're keeping, uh, you know, our coach. He's not going away. Tom Herman staying. And not only is he fired a couple weeks later, so you completely lied to the recruits who were going yep. to sign. Yeah, Um, It wasn't just like he was fired. It was, you had the guy lined up. So you didn't line <laughs> yeah. Sark up in a day. Like it took a while for this to happen. So you knew, I mean, I think they were ready to pull a trigger if they could have got urban Meyer. It sounds like they were like, okay, you're out. If we get urban Meyer and then they needed to find someone that they really wanted. And it sounded like, If you're getting Sark, I can't imagine Sark being the guy that's like, we've wanted him forever. You know, it's not like he's not an Urban Meyer, obviously, like it could work out. I think it's a huge risk, but I think you just wanted Tom Herman out because that's not one you spend 25 million on buyouts to, because you want to bring Sark in so bad. It just, it it didn't make a ton of sense, but you hope it works out. But man, that's a weird one.
1: Yeah, definitely. So you hope it works out, but. Definitely a risk.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions because we got a few. Here we go. We got a lot. Yeah. Back in a minute. All right. We're back here on the Parastyle podcast this is our favorite segment. Now for my favorite part of the show.
1: Well, that's a... Talk to the audience. Oh,
0: God, this is always death. I love me some Simpsons. <laughs> I love,
1: <them>. you <laughs> love that job.
0: I do, and I forget to use it sometimes. But we're going to use it now. Uh, I think we only got one voicemail this week, so we'll save that for a, a little bit later. But, um, Keely, why don't we jump into some of these emails, because I know we got a bunch.
1: Okay, let's go to the first email. It's from Brett C. from Knoxville, Tennessee. He says, hey, Keely, Ryan, and team. My question for you guys is that a spring training spring camp doesn't actually happen because of L.A. County being a disaster right now. How does this affect the football team going forward into the summer leading into fall camp? Thanks, and fight on, Brett C.
0: Hey, Brett, that's a great question. We don't know about spring football yet. And the concern would be that there could be certain states, um, you know, probably mostly out West that are still going to have restrictions, say things get, you know, better um, across the country and there's still tighter restrictions in California and like Alabama and Ohio State and Texas and everybody else can have spring football. I feel like this year now you've seen, you've already got left behind once. So I think a lot of these programs are going to figure out a way to make it happen. They, they kind of had to do a lot of stuff at the last minute. You know, we saw like Cal UCLA get scheduled, you know, at the last minute we saw Stanford have to take their, you know, ball on the road and, and practice and, and play on the road because Santa Clara County wouldn't let them. We saw San Jose state go have their camp way up in Humboldt, you know, um, 600 miles away or whatever it is. The 49ers went to Phoenix and, and, and played their games there. So I feel like now that you've, you've had a season and, you know, it was weird, it was quirky, but it, you know, for the most part, it seemed to work like it, it happened. I, I feel like now if there are like LA County restrictions or Santa Clara County or City of Berkeley restrictions, that you'll do what you can, maybe get an NCAA waiver to have practice start a little bit later. Um, but I feel they are going to have spring practice. I feel they're going to figure out a way to make it happen if you got to drive to Vegas and and for a couple of weeks and have practice there i think they're going to do things cuz if you're not having practice you're probably still remote learning anyway so you could bring the team somewhere else i think last year it was sort of like it was there was you didn't know like you've but you've sort of already been through the pandemic i guess keely and you you know what you could probably do safely and you probably couldn't do i'm guessing they're not going to get far if if the rest of the country, you know, the SEC and the ACC and the, the, you know, the Big Ten especially, or if they're doing spring practice, I think the Pac-12 will figure out a way, even if they have to go out of state to, for a few weeks for camp.
1: Well, I guess the nice thing, if you want to call it a nice thing, of already being through a round of this is that both USC and UCLA have uh, built up relations with LA County and those people who make the decisions. And so I feel like they have a good working relationship in that sense. And it's worth noting that USC, when they were just doing training camp, they didn't have any infections. They didn't have any rampant outbreaks. Like, USC has proven that they, at least when they're not playing other people and they're not traveling, they can control... Uh, COVID-19 on campus and with their workouts and practices so they could make a strong argument that them doing practice doesn't really affect anything as far as community spread and whatnot, especially if you still have testing going on. And we know that like a majority of the offensive line had some type of either exposure or had uh, COVID-19. So at that point, how many guys are you still worried about actually contracting the virus? I don't know. I don't know the full numbers, but uh, I know that there's been multiple people on the team who've gotten the virus. So I I don't think they will have a problem, but the caveat always is it's LA County and LA County is going to be LA County and LA County itself is not doing well at all as far as uh, handling the virus. So we'll see. But as far as like USC's responsibility with how they've handled it, they've done a really good job. And I think that will definitely help them going forward with what they want to do. And if they can do anything.
0: Yeah. Keely. So um, right now we're seeing like first responders, people like that getting uh, the vaccine but it's going to start trickling to, you know, the rest of the population at some point. I know there was people really upset when sports programs would have like daily testing all the time. And what if, I don't know, will, will sports teams be able to get a vaccine before like the general public too? Like, I don't know. Oh Gosh, (laughs) I, I didn't think about that before. Like I'm not saying they shouldn't like you're if you, I mean, if you're like, Hey, we're going to vaccinate the entire NFL. And it's going to, you know, that's like this entertainment product that millions and millions of people watch. Like you could make an argument for that. Right. Like if, you know, <laughs> I, think,
1: I don't not. know if I want to touch this right oh, okay. with, with the death rates that we're seeing. I think we definitely have to prioritize the vulnerable communities first and then go into entertainment.
0: Right. Right. No, I'm I mean, I think I'm not saying you skip, you know, that, that nurse on the front line doesn't get it. And, uh, sure. you know, Tom Brady does. But I think once you get like the first phase or two done and it's like all oh, the, the nursing homes and things like that, and now it's just like people like you and me, like, would you be upset if like you or I don't get a vaccine before Tom Brady does, because they're going <laughs> to, they want the NFL to go forward. Like, I, I, I mean, like, look, I, I don't mind. I I would say something like that where it's not like, I'm not a vulnerable person, I guess, but. There, they're, I want to watch them on TV. So like, there's a there's value there, you know.
1: I get, I can see the point you're making. How about that, Ryan?
0: Yeah. I don't know, but I'm just. I don't know if that's going to come up. Um, I, I mean, whenever it there's will. something like this, there's going to be people that have like money or whatever. Like, do you think more billionaires are going to get it before like homeless people? Like, yeah, like it's going to happen because that's 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 the society we live in. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah. I would guess that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I think so, too, but we'll see. I'm going to move on to another email, Ryan. I want Uh, more
0: philosophical questions for you, kid. I'm just kidding. (laughs)
1: That's not what we're about, Ryan, even though you try and make us that way. I don't actually know who sent this email, so maybe you can look it up for me, Ryan. Uh, But it's from someone who says, What are your thoughts on SC singling out Corey Foreman for his own hype video, the only individual, individual player hype video released? What does it do for the quote-unquote team, team in all caps? How much special attention from one player before others begin to resent it, eventually perhaps acting on that resentment? How smart do you think this is? And do you think it's a problem now or for the future? Thanks.
0: Uh, thanks for that one. Um, I don't see where who that one is from. Um, but the hype video is interesting. And I don't think it's going to be a situation where other recruits – because they all were getting their own kind of like custom-made video sort of thing when they signed yeah. and all that stuff. So I th- maybe his is more elaborate or whatever. But it's like it's the number one player in the country. I don't think the players are going to be all that upset about it. For me, it's sort of like, well, the 2020 class, you weren't really talking about where guys were ranked because you didn't have any guys that were ranked high. So you were like making it like, being ranked high isn't that big of a deal. Well, now you got the number one player, and then you're like jumping up and down doing backflips. I'm like, well, so last year rankings didn't matter, but this year they do. That that was my more my issue.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point, Ren. I didn't fully think about that. But you know, this is a hard one because this is the first time USC's gotten a number one prospect since Matt Barkley in '09. So if it's been over a decade, I think you have to make some type of of hubbub about it. But I think you then have to calm that down once he's a member of the team. You know, you can't have something where he's going to be the superstar over everything. But, I mean, these guys know the the system that they're in. If you're a talented player and you're the number one recruit, there's certain things that come for you. So I, I don't think right now there would be any resentment because that's kind of what comes with the territory. But if there's some type of like preferential treatment or something where it's really obvious that he's getting a nod over other guys who are working as hard or whatever, then I think there is resentment that happens. I know that there was kind of that that inkling when uh, Leonard Williams was on the team a little bit. I heard that from players. But I I think that's something that as, as a culture and as coaches you can kind of handle. But I think for the momentum that USC needs to gain on the on the recruiting trail, you can't not make a big deal about this, especially after the whole organ dancing on your own field, winning the pac championship when they shouldn't even be there, <laughs> you know? Like, you have to make a big deal about if you're going to keep players home, you're going to take back the West, quote-unquote, then you have to kind of make splash about this. So I think it's okay. It's if, if he was, like, a number 12 recruit, then maybe that would be different, but it's the number one recruit in the class. Like, you kind of have to make a big deal about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the sort of sad part is like, this is a top 10 class now, which is good. Uh, could get a little bit better with like a Rayshon Davis or something, but you know, they, they kind of got the guys you should, USC should just get like, there's, there's a lot of guys like that that should just end up at USC and Corey Foreman is one of them. And, you know, you've seen the last couple of years of uh, not getting uh, a bunch of those guys. So I think this is a good step, you know, it's in the right direction. But like, you shouldn't be too excited about the number two class in the in the conference. You got to be the this, where USC is, they should have the best class every single year. And uh, but you needed something positive, and I think getting Corey Foreman and you're right, like that's that's big. That's those are positive moves. Um, would you like to get a couple of linebackers, a couple more running backs, things like that? Sure, uh, like a you know five star left tackle or something. Yeah, that that would all be great, but. It's a, it's a definitely a step in the right direction. I don't mind the hype video stuff, but like, this is where USC should be recruiting, like on a medium level. Like this is, you know, last year you can't have anything like happen again. That's just, that's like a killer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's worth noting that like the hype video is a product of what USC is selling to recruits, which is, hey, if you come here, you can build a brand and sell your name, image and likeness. And that's something that both Corey Foreman and Sierra Wright talked about how it was appealing. I mean, Sierra Wright is going to be starring alongside LeBron James. Like that's something that is appealing to recruits and the top recruits. So the fact that USC is kind of trying to get ahead of that and create a place where more players can do that. I think you can't knock USC for that because at the end of the day, USC fans want talented players to get to the university. And if USC is doing it in a way that's attractive to this era of recruits, then I think it's a win-win, you know?
0: Like a hundred percent. And like, do I understand when I look at those videos, does it make me feel like, no, I, I mean, this, it seems like a waste to me, but they love it. Like, that's all you got to know. These like 17 year old kids love that stuff. So if you're an old dude like me and you're just like, I don't get it. I'd be a cranky old guy. Like, well, the, <laughs> I, I would acknowledge, Hey, the recruits do. So that's all that matters. I don't need to like it. They do.
1: Yeah. They said it in their, their articles, their commitment articles. So it's, it's working on the group that USC intended it to work on. So I think that's all you can really hope for as a USC fan. Yeah. Um I'm going to go to an email from saying Frank in Sacramento, who says I recall two years ago when Ryan did a show with Colin Cowherd and Colin recommended that USC hired Jed fish as a head coach. This was way back when people wanted to fire Clay Helton.
0: Way back. Like what today? Like what?
1: <laughs> Good point. Good point.
0: Tomorrow. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> I, maybe the point of Frank is that, yeah, people wanted to fire him even back then. Uh, yeah. Like I know Colin. Well, um, I don't know about his relationship with, uh, Jed fish, but it was pretty obvious even then when he brought. Jed fish's name up, like on our show that came out of nowhere. And I was like, what? Like, it, like basically the exact opposite of what you needed, like an inexperienced flyer of a, a head coach. Colin obviously has a relationship with uh, Jed fish that he was on a show. Um, you know, I watched it and Je- I mean, Really, I, I haven't really paid attention to him much. Really personable guy. I mean, worked for some of the greats in college. You know, he worked for Pete Carroll. He worked for Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, he worked for Sean McVay, which is, like, the greatest thing, you know, now. But, yeah, great personality, though. And you see some of his tweets. They're it's pretty cool. Like, so I think he's a good fit for Arizona. I don't think he would have been a good fit for USC until, like, maybe – coaches Arizona for like five years and then Arizona's great. And then he comes to USC. Like, I don't think you needed to get another inexperienced, like offensive minded head coach. You've tried that every time and it hasn't worked. Um, but I, he does to me, he's someone that's like, I think he's going to be a real coach. And I think it's a good hire from Arizona just from what I've seen. But yeah, I think that recommendation, Frank was because he's pretty close friends with <laughs> so, He would have been close friends with the uh, head coach at USC. So, that's, that's that my personal done. take on it. I haven't talked to Colin about it, but that would be my <laughs> personal take.
1: That would have been a nice perk for Colin. And <laughs> that's,
0: he does. I mean, I, so, I mean, okay. I mean, full disclosure, like we, I talked to Colin fairly often. I mean, and I, we've said this before. He refers to USC as we, like he literally does. Like he'll call me about <laughs> recruits and stuff. Like he is yeah, a yeah. USC football fan. So all those people that are like, Oh, blah, 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 like he literally is a fan. So would he want his like one of his good friends to be the head coach? of USC? <laughs> yeah, I guess that was maybe that was part of it, but he, I mean, I think Jed Fisher is going to be a really good coach, but to give him the, the USC job just seemed like a little, a uh, little bit of a reach for me.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Frank in Sacramento also talked about how Aaron Osmus is now gone, which we didn't address. I guess on this pod, Ryan, we've addressed it a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so as far as Aaron Osmus goes, it was another hire that you go, okay. Well, here's what's questionable about the hire. Like there's, I mean, obvious things. He hadn't worked in college football for like five years. Now he was local and I he came on our shows and uh was I I love talking to him. He was great. Yeah. I'm no strength and conditioning expert, but he's you know, got his private you know, work here. He's got his family here, like just down the street from where this office is. And uh he really wanted to stay. So Getting a college job, it didn't seem like it was going to be an option for him unless it was like USC or UCLA, basically. And USC came open, and they called him, and he and he took it. And I don't blame him for that. I don't know. I mean, just talking to him, he seemed like a weightlifting kind of guy. Like, every time we talked about it, it was more about, like, eating heavy, lifting thick, whatever. No, lifting heavy, eating thick, and uh, cooking steaks and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I think guys got bigger for sure. I don't know if it was necessarily better Were they better at football. Like that's certainly not my area of expertise. Um, but you know, every strength coach has different philosophies and his was definitely more about, you know, more power and more lifting and, and getting bigger and swole and all that kind of stuff. He let his contract run out. So, I mean, is this a to me, Clay Helton hires Aaron Osmus under the old regime. Maybe they didn't have his resources. I don't know, but, I think the new regime, the new athletic department wants a different resume for the kind of coaches that are going to be around USC strength coaches are tied to head coaches quite a bit. Um, yeah. so this will be an interesting hire because it could definitely be a temporary one. If you feel like Clayton is still on the hot seat year after year. And if 2021 ends up being his last year, does the new, whoever you hire have their own strength coach? A lot of times they do. So this will be another interesting one to watch, but I don't expect it to be some assistant strength coach that was at USC and they promote him or whatever. Like this will be an outside hire again from my my guess.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. So that's the curious thing. I don't have a good sense on on the new strength hire, just because like you said, Ryan, is this something that, I don't think you'd want to go temporary. I think you'd want to go just lay someone down for a better future. But who does that really involve and how do you sell them on that kind of picture? You know what I mean? Without like basically throwing Clay Hilton under the bus. You know what I mean? If you're USC's athletic administration, you can't just be like, hey, yeah, we eventually want to get rid of this guy, but be his strength coach for his team for a couple of years or a year. You know, it's a weird predicament.
0: It is. And I, I, but I feel like they have. They've wanted to hire, and I say they. I mean, it seems like it's really more coming from the athletic department. Wanted to hire people that would be around, like that. Uh, if uh, if you got a new head coach, they would want these guys around, like. And unless you hired like a defensive-minded coach, like say you know say Clay Allen's fired, and they they bring in some coach that's not necessarily like a defensive guru, the Todd Orlando and assistant package. Especially if they perform well, you know, in the 2021 whatever portion of the season that is, I think it's attractive to uh, whoever the new head coach would be. Like a Sean Snyder would be attractive. Now, you might hire hire an off you know a defensive coach, and he's like, no, I got my own philosophy, We're, you know, and that's fine. But I think you, I think the athletic department is putting USC in a position that the staff is going to be attractive. And if it's an attractive strength coach and it's tra- attractive offense, attractive, you know, defense, attractive, special teams. Okay. You bring in an offensive coach. They'll probably blow out. You know, if Graham Harrell's still around, they'd probably, he wouldn't be retained or if you bring a defensive guy, maybe you don't retain, but you would have other pieces there that the, the, the new head coach would be like, Oh yeah, I definitely like this. I would want to keep this. Um, where before it's like, if you brought someone in, you pretty much just blow everybody out. There wasn't really these attractive pieces that you'd want to keep. I think credit to the administration that they've tried to put attractive pieces there to make Clay Helton better, obviously, but also kind of build a better foundation that if they do end up making a change, it won't be as um, wholesale, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually going to go to another question because it it's interesting. It's from Marcus from MoCo who says, Um, to Ryan and the Paracel Podcast family. Okay, so Clay Hilton isn't going anywhere for at least another year, but what if Mike Bone were to hire a coach who focused strictly on discipline? In my opinion... Would have been, we would have beaten Oregon last month and would have at least won three more games last season if the whole team uh, had to do gassers for each yard, penalized. And those who engaged in buffoonish antics, such as these god-awful embarrassing celebrations, whenever we score or tackle a player after he's already had the first down, we're benched for a quarter. If Elton doesn't like it, then he can quit. I know of an intern program in Tuscaloosa that takes in failed USC coaches and teaches them a thing or two. Marcus from MoCo.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, whatever happens to Clay Helton, like if, you know, if he doesn't retire as USC's head coach, he should probably go to Alabama. I mean, he played at Auburn, right? Um, if Nick Saban's still around, probably makes sense. Uh, you know, if you want to get back into head coaching, that's the place you'd have to go. Uh, I mean, every head coach has different a different personality. And some guys are going to be, you know, just – harder on the players than others. Sometimes it's to, to a fault. Sometimes you need it. I mean, a lot of times young players, young kids in general, children, whatever need discipline and you don't want to, you don't ask a kid, Hey, do you want to be disciplined? They're like, hell no. But a lot of times you need it, you know? And I think sometimes you have to, you have to play the game right where, you know, things are just getting out of control. I'm the nice guy coach, but I need to put my foot down on this and like, yeah, like you said, bench a guy or I don't know about doing a gasser for every penalty or whatever, but um, you got to do something uh, to kind of address that stuff. Cause it seems like when Clay Helton talks about addressing it, things sort of get worse (laughs) for some reason. Uh, Remember the penalty fixes we're going to be, well, we're going to have an extra meeting about it or whatever. It's like, Oh, we're going to, it's going to, one of the bullet points of our, our regular Sunday meeting is going to have penalties on it. Like, Oh, okay. That'll, that'll fix it. Like, um, yeah, I, Marcus, I mean, but you're not going to, you know, Leopard doesn't change his spots. You're not going to change cloud to be a different kind of guy that he is. I, if you're an athletic director and you're like forcing assistant coaches down your head coach's throat, you're already kind of doing things that normally aren't done. Um, yeah. I don't think you could like go beyond and be like, okay, you need to start d- dishing out these punishments for, uh, penalties or whatever. I, I think, uh, that's up to the head coach and you have a head coach and you've had him for a long time and you know the way he is that he's not that way.
1: Yeah, it's just it kind of is with the package that is Clay Helton. I just don't understand the line one at least three more games last season If the whole. Oh, OK, last season, not this season. I was like, they were five and one. Got it. OK, um, I'm actually going to move on to another question. It's from Jason Hernandez, who says, I'm sitting here having heard the news of Texas head coach Tom Herman's staff released of their duties, and it came with a buyout of $25 million to get their program going in the right direction. Why would USC raise and spend $300 million, plus or minus, on a 100-year-old Coliseum and not have a contingency plan in place for the day they would have to rid themselves of their Division III head coach? USC needs to fire Clay Hilton now and hire Urban Meyer today. Landing the number one recruit out of SoCal is not enough when you have a dynamic running back Transferring, and not to mention the words spoken by Clay. This is our offense. Happy New Year, Jason Hernandez.
0: Hey, Jason. I I love when people like talk about money with it's like you know, Keila. You and I, I. I don't speak for you, but I'm not going to make 300 million dollars in my lifetime. You know, and <laughs> um, probably a lot of our listeners won't either. And when you're kind of a quick like, oh, they raised six billion dollars for like, yeah, I mean. There's just like such different things, you know? Um, I think the money is a big part of this, but it's also the perception. If somebody gifted Mike Bone $25 million and said, here you go, uh, buy out Clay. I don't even know if he would do it because of the the political landscape that's around USC right now. And does Texas want it more? I mean, (laughs) yeah, like they're... I don't think anyone's going to push back on the president or the athletic director or anybody there. Um, if you're going to spend that kind of money, I mean, there's, there's pushback for sure, but there are people behind it. Like the president would be behind it. The board of trustees would be behind it. Like they're, the boosters are behind it. You have a lot of the fans behind fire and Clay Helton. I don't think you have a president that is, I don't think you have a board of trustees that is, they have bigger fish to fry right now. And, that's kind of a harsh reality, but not everybody thinks of the football team as you do. If you're thinking of what's the best way for USC football to win, Jason, you're exactly right. You fire Clay Elton and you bring in somebody really good, but that's not the, because of all the poor leadership decisions from the past 15, 20 years, it's, I don't think USC feels that they can do that right now. Um, You know, they brought in a president that's, not necessarily on board with, Hey, football is going to drive this boat. Um, they're worried about the scandals and the lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. And Clay Hilton is a guy that's not bringing scandal, more scandal to the university for the most part. Does Carol full like, yeah, I'd love to win, but I'd rather not have a scandal. And I know Clay's not going to, but if we hire some, some guy that has a, you know, not a squeaky clean background, am I going to have to worry about him? And, OK, so he wins 10 games, but now I got to deal with something else. I just don't feel like it's a priority for a lot of the power brokers at USC right now. And I think that the poor leadership uh, in the athletic department over the last 20 years has really contributed to that. And I feel like the, the new administration is working their way towards being respectable again, towards you know, earning the trust of the board and, and the president and all that. But I think it's going to take time for them. So, yeah, we've talked about what USA should do a million times, but we've also told you a million times why that's not going to happen right now. So I think we're sticking by that, Keely. Um, yeah. We have another a voicemail along the same line, so let me play that for you. Okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year. I watch your show all the time, listen to it all the time, and uh, listen to the coach. Uh,
1: it's a great, great, great show you guys put on, and I uh, appreciate you guys continuing it my question is do you really think that
0: um, you'll get a vote of confidence this time from uh our um, god I'm losing my train of thought i'm so freaking upset about this whole thing uh from the athletic department
1: and from the uh the president a vote of confidence for clay do you think that that's really going to kind of come kind of come down and uh they're going to say something this year, or are they going to keep quiet? Um, hope to hear something back from you guys. Um, continue what you're doing. Love your show, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. I'm
0: curious about you, what you think on that, Keeley. Um, is there going to be a vote of confidence? I don't think so. I think they're just going to keep trying to make things better around Clay Helton in the athletic department like they've been doing.
1: Yeah. I think there's this sense that why would you say something about a coach who's not up? Like his contract's not up. So why would you say something about a coach that they're not anticipating firing? You know, it doesn't make sense. It's just inviting more scrutiny and more hatred from the fans. So I think they're just going to continue on and try and uh, fix what they can fix. But it's just like you mentioned, Ryan, before the voicemail, it's the difference between, you know, what does Carol Fult think? What does the board trustees think? And does that match up? I, it's, they think differently than how fans think. Like They don't see a Texas hire as, hey, they care about football and they want to do what's best for the, the football team in the university. They think of that as spending a ton of money in a pandemic for a coach that hasn't been proven very successful. And so they see things differently and fans see more the broader picture of, hey, we want results. And that's just the world of academia is not – in that same they don't they they don't think that way so it's just different and as far as like a vote of confidence or anything they're just going to keep clay hilton unless they're not and then if they don't keep clay hilton then they're going to say something about it you know you don't need a third year in a row saying that clay hilton's your coach
0: 100 <laughs> i don't remember which show i said this on but I, I said on one of them and it's just sort of like here's the reality like you're a huge usd fan you're listening to the show you're on the usdfootball.com message boards whatever you want to win. Like you just were like, Hey, what can we do to win? And I feel like, okay, maybe the president of the university, that's not his or her first priority, or maybe the board of trustees, maybe it's not there, but some fans think that it is, and it should be. You would think that the athletic department, they would, they feel like, yeah, winning football is like the most important thing. And what, everything we heard, you know, prior to Mike Bone and them coming in, why did you think they kept hiring inexperienced athletic directors there were people there. They had their little fiefdoms, and they just wanted to keep their power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Winning would have been great, but it wasn't the most important thing. And I think a lot of USA fans are just like, "I can't believe this," and like that's what we were told. Like they would have rather not hired a powerful head coach because that head coach would wield too much power in the athletic department. So you get a coach that's not going to be as good, not going to be as powerful. I'm not saying you can't win with them, but you're sort of hoping that you get a more, uh, I, what was the term that the Clay used used, like a chain of
1: command,
0: chain of command head coach. Like, okay. Is Nick Saban a chain of command head coach? <laughs> Hell no. no. Is urban Meyer? A, uh, no, like there, yeah, there's a chain of command. It's them and everybody below them. The president of the university, the athletic department, like everybody's below them. So when you get a chain of command coach, It's not like you're saying, well, we're not going to win, but you're sort of admitting like it's going to be a miracle if you do win, because typically the chain of command coaches are just, they're happy to be there. You hire someone that's not qualified for the job. They're happy to be there. They're going to do their best. They're going to try. They would love to win. And sometimes they might, you know, but you get a proven guy that they know they have a system. It works. You know, that's going to work or you're 90% it's going to work. So you're not. As an athletic director, you were not putting your best foot forward and trying your best to win. You were trying to get someone that you could control and then hope you win. I think it's a very big difference than what a lot of the fans feel should happen. And I agree with you. That's the way, if you're going to be an athletic director, that's your job. Like football runs, you know, runs this whole show, go get the best football coach. You can stop getting guys that you just think you can control. Makes no sense to me. So, yeah. So that's sort of like the slap in the face where like you're a USA fan you care more about winning than the guy that was running the athletic department for a while. That's bad.
1: Yeah, it's very bad. And I understand why people would be apprehensive when we try and say, Hey, it seems like this new athletic admin has a different tune. I feel like I understand why fans would be, they'd be hesitant about that, but there is a difference and it's, it's definitely wanting to make the program better instead of whatever we've seen for the last decade or so, you know?
0: Yeah. And I I think you have to realize like, what is Luke fickle's great, right? He's, he's awesome. Done an awesome job at Cincinnati. Mike bone, Brandon sauce, like they hire him. That's how they win. Like people will praise them for making a great hire. And there are other coaches they hire and stuff like that. So I think that's sort of, you know, I don't know what their motivation is, but that's, that's sort of like the, what, how they're judged. Um, the people that they bring in, do they do well? And I think they have a pretty good track record uh, of that where I I don't think that was the way in the athletic department before it was just more about, Hey, you know, we just do things our way and just, they're not worried about what the outside world says. They had their little, you know, system in place and just bring in more people that are going to ask how you do things. Not here's how you're going to do things. That's just was the USC way for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, not having an experienced athletic director since, what was it, the 80s when they hired somebody that was an athletic director before? Like, that's a problem. And, you know, after a while, it sort of catches up to you, and it definitely caught up to USC.
1: Yeah. Well, I have a <laughs> follow-up email from what we just said. Uh, it's from AJ from Los Angeles, who says, I know I'm late, but I just listened to the Mailbag Extravaganza episode, and I'm sorry, but it came across as 90 minutes of pro-Mike Bone and Brandon Sazna propaganda. I fear that you're being influenced by the fact that Sazna gives you inside info to help break stories and write war room pieces. He knows that he's do- what he's doing here, and he's getting the result he desires. When you look at what Bone and Sazna have actually done at USA, See, nothing they have done has shown that being a national championship contender is their goal. Everything they've done has been irrelevant, window dressing, and intentional diversion tactics to distract from the main issue with the program, Clay Helton. If you're honest, you'll see that there's no difference to Clay himself. All talk, no action. Like Clay, they tell you they're no- Uh, Like Clay, they tell you they know what the problems are, but they refuse to do what it takes to fix them. Convincing the administration that a change is required is part of their job. Raising the funds to make that change is, again, part of their job. If they can't get those things done, then they simply are bad at their jobs. Please stop giving them undeserved credit and blaming others for their failings. I hope that this email didn't come across too harshly towards the two of you. I respect the job both of you do. I know that you're in a bit of a tough spot here. I was just angry after listening to the podcast and hearing how Bone and Sazna are just getting a Free pass and all this by using manipulation tactics with the press to secure completely undeserved glowing reviews for themselves. My ire is with that useless duo and not the two of you. AJ from Los Angeles. AJ,
0: what's it? Well, if you were mad before, you're probably going to be mad (laughs) now uh, after listening to this. But let me like, hey, AJ, let me address your points here. Do my best uh, to do that. One, it's funny because sometimes we'll have people on the peristyle here saying, You're just shills for the athletic department. Then I write a thing like USC goes five and one. They win 83% of their games. And I write a column that's widely popular and it's all over the place. USC season was a failure. I go on Pac-12 radio, talk about why it's a failure. I've convinced like the radio host, why it's a failure. Do you think the athletic department was happy with that? Like, do you think, you know, Mike Bowen and Brandon Saucer are going to have me over for dinner or something after writing something like that? No. But I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. I'm going to tell you what I think. I do think this season was a failure. I do think both of them should figure out a way to fire Clay Helton. I, I agree with you. I understand though, why they're not, there's a pros and a cons list. I understand both. There's a lot of the fans that just only are looking at the reasons to fire Clay Helton. And there's a lot of them. I mean, there's no, you know, USC was last in rushing last in the PAC 12. In rushing, tailback you. This is ridiculous. This is after Clay Helton, after two games, said we're gonna run the ball like LSU and Alabama did. That's really important to us. And didn't run the ball for the rest of the season. There are a lot of reasons that Clay Helton shouldn't be the head coach anymore. I've told you them all. i we've talked about you guys' questions are coming up. I've told people in the athletic department. I've told them they're blue in the face. But I do you but you just because you don't agree with that, you have to understand there was 20 years of terrible leadership that led them up to this. I don't think in any world, Mike bone thought he was going to come into a situation that everyone wanted the head coach fired anyway, when he got there and it seemed like the whole reason he was hired was to fire him and then realized it was like the worst contract ever. And there wasn't going to be a lot of support for him to make that kind of move. Then the pandemic happens and you got to, you know, Everyone's taking pay cuts and they, to their credit, they didn't get rid of anybody, but they're, you know, their budget is hurting severely. And that's why I said, even if you gifted them the money, it's not going to look great. Uh, especially, you know, I don't think Carol Fult would support getting rid of Clay Elton right now, even if the money was given to them and it didn't come from the athletic department. That's my take on things. So yeah, I'm not saying they've done perfectly. They've done so much better than what the athletic departments have in the past. And as far as information goes, it's give and take all over the place, but trust me, they've been upset with us. You know, that's like the government's always upset with us. I've got it. I mean, two years ago, I went into the offices there and got yelled at by half the people in heritage hall. Okay. they were five and seven. I told you guys they were terrible. It's five and seven. They didn't like it. This is kind of things happen, but it's a give and take. We have a job to do. They have a job to do. I'm not going to tell you stuff and blow smoke up your ass because it's something's getting fed to me from heritage hall. That's not the way I, I work, but I can recognize people that are better than what was around. They're better for sure. They're doing the right things. They've made good hires outside of the one thing that you want. We know the one thing you want. You wanted that, you know, red River, whatever, 200 shot air rifle, blah, blah, blah from, uh, you know, from the Christmas story, but you're not, uh, you're not getting it. And we've told you you're not going to get it. I think you should get it, but you're not. But so what else do you get around you? And they're doing the right things around that. At the end of the day, it might be a situation where they want to bring in the best coach possible. And it might just take a little time and to, to build the kind of nest around that coach to make it make him successful. Um, maybe that's the right call. My my thought is you, sh- you needed to get rid of Clay Helton already. But that's sort of going to be their call, you know, what they, they want to do with it. But I don't think you can poo-poo all of the other good things that they've done. I, I just think because there's been so many bad decisions made. Like, I can't imagine Pat Hayden made one single good decision his entire time as the athletic director at USC. Linzwan made no decisions. And then the, when he did make one, it was awful and just, you know, devastating. They left this, you know, basically a crater for Mike Bonen and Sazna to come in and, and try to fix. And I don't think it's an easy job. And then you put a pandemic on top of it, but that's what they signed up for. So, I mean, I'm not giving them a pass on, Hey, you have a hard job, you have a hard job, but you got to do it. Right. And, uh, but I'm going to give them credit when I think they're making good hires and doing good things. But that, the whole point, when I said earlier, why are we talking about the athletic department, making hires? Like they should be Clay to making hires. So that's another reason why you, that guy shot probably shouldn't be running. Uh, your football team. That's a long rant. Um, Keely, save me to say anything that, you know, any, anything that I, you feel like I was wrong about or whatever. Just tell it to me no, straight.
1: I mean, you said it pretty well. First of all, uh, it's insulting for people to say that, like, oh, we would change. We care about saying what we feel truthfully and telling you guys how it is and so for people to suggest suddenly we would go against that just to get information like that's not how it works we're very true to what we think and we've definitely gotten blowback from it I mean there's a reason why we can't see practice you know after talking about how bad practice was for years you know so we kind of stick true to that but the thing that for me is I just wish that USC fans wouldn't get so stuck on Clay Helton that they're missing everything else that's kind of happening around. It seems like they're trying to build, at least trying to build foundation, a good foundation for the athletic department, and trying to fix all the things that you just mentioned that Pat Hayden did and that um, uh, Lin Swan didn't do and the one thing he did do. I mean, it's not like Mike Bone came in here and gave – Clay in an extension they're just dealing with the problems they inherited and so far I mean they've tried to navigate through a pandemic they helped bring back Pac-12 football they helped, tried to get USC more prominent in just the world of Pac-12 football which was something that USC lost underneath uh Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan you know they're trying to do things and at least they're trying we couldn't say that back in the day and I think that's what we're seeing, we're seeing a difference. And that's why you hear our tune change. And that's not the product of, Hey, we're getting info and that's why we're changing. That's just not how it works. So, I mean, you you covered it pretty well, Ryan.
0: Yeah, no, but if like USC went five and one and lost in the Pac-12 championship game to Oregon. And and all the jokes are like, Oh, now they're going to give them an extension. You're making those jokes because that's what USC would have done in the past. These guys aren't going to do that. Like that's now if they do, We'll crush them, you know, um, the, the thing we're crushing crush them for now is you haven't made the move yet, but we understand it's going to be, it would have been really hard to make the move. And I still think you should have done, but I'm going to give him a pass and say, okay, so you have a plan Let's see if your plan works. And, and, and maybe it does, maybe, you know, in two years, this program is like on, on top of the world again. Um, but it's going to take, you know, take a little time but we'll crush them if they make a bad decision. But the problem is you're not giving them any credit for the good decisions that were made. I mean, USC was scheduled a stupid, you know, FCS game. Like that's just one, like there's all these things that happened that they had to come in and fix. And then as they were like getting momentum, fixing stuff, the pandemic hit. And uh, yeah. So, and I don't think they, you know, I don't think they have the full support from the presidential office with all the other crap going on. So there's a lot of things going on here. So, you don't have to give them a pass for everything, but I mean you, you gotta give them some credit when they're making good decisions.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, also Reggie Bush, he returned as well. So there, yeah. there are things there's things that's happened that has been good. So you can't I, I just it bothers me when fans only talk about Clay Helton because I mean, Ryan, you've talked about it so much. The USC kind of just lucked into championship. Level teams. You know, this was never like a full on strategy that USC's athletic departments made to get them the Pete Carroll era that they had. You know what I mean? And this seems like an, an actual attempt to put in a foundation for more than just luck. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, they won despite an incompetent athletic department. And college, the, unfortunately, college football landscapes changed. The athletic department became a much bigger part of things. The support staff around teams, like everything's changed. When they built the John McKay center, like they literally built it for Lane Kiffin staff who had one recruiting guy on there. Like the, the recruiting wars were going on where you were like hiring as many support staff as you could. USC didn't even think of that when they built that building. There's like no room in there for, for the kind of staffs you have now. College football has changed. You need a strong athletic department to go along with your tradition and all that. USC could win on, Hey, you get a really good coach. How oh, they recruit. Well, You got the tradition, boom, you win championships. I don't think you can do that anymore. You need more support around the football program. And, you know, they, they just haven't had, they've had such terrible leadership. You didn't have that. So I think college football is very different right now. Um, I'm not saying that Mike Bowen and Sossner are like the best guys ever, but so, but you need guys like that. You need people that have been in the trenches and have built these programs up before to have a chance and, you add like good leadership with, you know, great coaching and the kind of resources that USC has and the inherent uh, advantages that a place like USC has, I believe you can win again at that high level, but I don't think you could have done it with crappy athletic directors. And that's all USC's had for the last 20 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure AJ loved that very long explanation we gave, but it's true. That's what we believe. Um, as someone who also isn't really pleased with us, <laughs> Roger from Newport, sent us an email saying, Dear Ryan, your podcasts are becoming stale because you constantly rant negative opinions on the coaching staff and team for years. You take turns every podcast saying how bad they are. We get it already. Have out at least one podcast a week with positive player highlights, recruiting insights, and support, support staff interviews. Get your, mo- get your own mojo back. <laughs> Roger from Newport.
0: So that I love this. So the the one side we're like <laughs> we're just apologists and like we're just too positive about what's going on in the program, and the other side we're too negative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Keely, I, you had some thoughts on this. What do you? What are you, what are you?
1: <laughs> I might have read this to Ryan before the podcast started. Yeah, I'm just I just got to say, Roger. First off, on the Family Feud podcast, we always start with positives that happen that week. So that's the podcast you could try out too. Also, the Recruiting Blast. Podcast, just did that with Gerard Martinez. Check that out for some recruiting insights. And I mean, when we did Tunnel Vision, you did Lunch with a Trojan, Ryan. You did a lot of uh, different interviews with not only support staff, but recruits and whatnot. So we have a plethora of stuff to talk about. And let me say, if you are bored talking about Clay Helton or listening to Clay Helton and rants about the coaching staff, How do you think we feel (laughs) reading every question every week? Because we get it every single day. Look at our Twitter mentions. It's an exciting place to be. So, yes, we understand how you feel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Roger. I mean, you know, we definitely want to give you the whole perspective from all sides. We we do a lot of questions from listeners. And for the most part, they're not pro USC coaching. And but we're I'm not going to tell you. That USC's run game was great when it was terrible, and I'm not going to tell you there's a great excuse for why the run game was was last in the Pac-12 because there isn't one. Like I've, I have to give you, you know, the, my honest opinion about it. Um, you know, I could try to spin it some way to make it, you know, and I I think that would be disingenuous, and people would be we mad. We don't want to be negative all the time. I don't think we're negative all the time. Like we like Keeley said, um, you know, I like bringing in people. We we brought a lot of people this offseason to to talk with. And we had Aaron Osmus come in, you know, we've had Gavin Morris, uh, you know, recruiting stuff, signing the, you know, the top player in the country. Like there's going to definitely be positive things and stuff like that. So yeah. Uh, So we'll, you know, we're doing our best Roger, but we're not going to ignore the fact that things are, uh, you know, they should have won the Pac-12 this year. They have the most talented team. So yes. Anyway. All right. Keely said it better. So I'm going to move on.
1: Was I too snarky Ryan?
0: No, you were good. I okay. didn't know how to follow up your snark. I was
1: just saying, like... <laughs> That's how I felt when your response for AJ. So we're even in that yeah. sense. Uh, we have an email from Jeff from Salt Lake who says, Hi, Keely and Ryan. Happy New Year to you both and to all the SC faithful. Happy New Year to you, uh, Jeff. He says, I'm a longtime listener and I love the show. An attempt to ask something other than the when will Clay be fired question. I'd like your take on the PR efforts and expectations setting from Heritage Hall. I've heard you say multiple times that you have confidence in this new administration, and I want to believe you, but I cannot understand some of the actions and comments they have made in the last year. For example, the optics of the Bull opt-out, being surprised by the fan reaction to Clay being retained last year, even after all of the quote-unquote listening and learning Bone was doing as a new athletic director, the recruiting quote-unquote is going dramatically better uh, than anyone wants to admit statement a year ago and the constant vague platitudes uh, about competing for championships The bone and team really understand how unpalatable the current state of usc football is to the fan base is heritage hall still an ivory tower if not why does it seem like like they are always caught unaware about how their words or actions will be received best jeff from salt lake
0: thanks jeff uh, i mean he brings up some good points there um i don't feel like they were caught off guard that people didn't want clay Hall, and i think they knew that from the very beginning. I think what they're trying to do is put enough good pieces around him. So it becomes more palatable for fans. But I don't think that anyone there was shocked that fans still wanted Clay Helton fired after a, you know, crappy recruiting class and a, subpar season. Um, the, like the, the recruiting is going dramatically better than anyone wants to admit. I thought it was a terrible statement. I think we've said that we crushed them for that. So that's, um, I think that was a mistake and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll tell you that all day. So, yeah, I don't think that was, um, especially when you're talking to fans that follow recruiting, if you're going to say that to, uh, you're taking like a booster to lunch back, remember when you can do that stuff, uh, you know, and you know, they're, they're a USC fan that goes to the games and they have like a, you know, a booth or whatever. They have a, a suite there. They don't really follow the recruiting stuff. And they might have heard, oh, recruiting's not going well. And he says that to them. You can kind of appease a guy like that. That's fine. Um, But you can't appease people that follow this. Like they follow these guys for the last two years. They know exactly who signed and who got away and all of that. So to say it's going dramatically better, I thought that was a a poor choice of words and just one of those things that you just kind of don't say at all. Um, I think they completely understand how unpalatable it is. And I feel like they... They're doing what they can to fix the situation knowing at least what they think is we can't fix the big thing. We can't fix Clay Halton. So we're going to make everything better. Or in the meantime, we're going to make that there's so much wrong with the program itself. We're going to make all of that better. And then once there's an opportunity to change leadership with the football team, it will, will be in a better spot to do it. I, that's my gut of what they're you know trying to do. You you can agree or disagree with that. Like I said, I think they should have still made the move, but whatever. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah. So I think they understand that. I don't think they're like in their Ivy. They're not like before where like Lin Swan didn't listen to people that worked for him. He wouldn't have any idea what's going on on the peristyle message board or any of that. These guys do, they know what the fans are saying. Um, they definitely don't always agree with the fans are saying, but they're very aware. So if you think that they're just locked up away and, and, you know, let them eat cake and all that stuff, that's not these guys. They understand. uh, But they're trying to do their best job and they don't always agree with what you guys say or what we say. Um, But yeah, that's my take on it.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think that they're very in tune. They definitely hear it. And they're definitely about, um kind of the customer service aspect that goes with fans i know a lot of the time like if a fan reaches out we've heard positive stories of of fans feeling like they were heard whereas before that wasn't really the case so at least it seems like it's different whereas like i don't think if you ask Lynn swan like what's usu what's the pair style i don't think he would know at all so at least these people definitely have heard the fans and know a lot of what they're saying a lot of the time so they're hearing things so that's at least to answer that question
0: yeah. And I, I mean, I've gotten emails and, and like instant messages from fans who are like, wow, like Mike Bones sent me this note or Brandon Zasna like responded to my email or whatever it was. And they, you know, maybe they met me for lunch or whatever. Like there, there's stuff that they've done to reach out to the fans that the fans that we've talked to that have interacted with those guys have given us that impression like you know i i really felt like they heard my concerns which like i said before like dude literally talk to people that worked in the athletic department lynn swan wouldn't give him the time of day like they worked for him and he couldn't get do you think some hundred dollar booster to use that term again was going to get uh the attention of lynn swan like people that worked for him couldn't get his attention so yeah he didn't give a crap about what anybody said he was he was there to golf and whatever just be the figurehead and was just awful at it. So these guys will at least listen to you more. So I, I wouldn't say you can disagree with what their path is for sure, but I would say that, you know, they're not up in, in an ivory tower and they're not just uh, insulating themselves from your concerns. They, they will listen to you and they'll, they'll talk to you about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we have one more question, Ryan, and it wasn't really a question. It was sent in from Troy75, uh, who wishes us a, a Happy New Year to uh, the staff and to the listeners. So Happy New Year to you, Troy. Uh, but he basically wanted to go for the if you don't spend money, you don't make money strategy as far as getting rid of Clay Hilton. Uh, it was kind of a long rant, so I'll leave it there. But what, what are your thoughts on that strategy as far as maybe what the athletic department should do and aren't?
0: I love that the, the, the start. And he says he's followed us for 17 years, which we appreciate. But he said, I'll try to keep this brief.
1: Oh, and my bad. Like, Sorry, Troy. <laughs> no, but then
0: it's like five paragraphs or something. So, <laughs> so like, yeah. I like we people say that like, I'm going to keep this brief. And uh, then they leave a three minute voicemail. I'm like, that is not, that is not brief. Um, yeah. So he's given like the, uh, you know, in and we have a Pinto and we need a Cobra. I mean, it's. <sighs> I've said it a zillion times. Like I like Clay Helton as a person. I don't think he's a national championship level head coach. Doesn't mean he's not a good coach or whatever. Like I, I he's made a living in football for a long time. Way more, you know, knows way more about football than me. We've seen coaches. I've seen people's systems. I've seen all that stuff. If you're asking me and you're to get USC to be a national championship level type of program, Clay Helton wouldn't be the guy I would choose to lead that program. Um, we've gone over it, you know, a zillion times. <sighs> it's, but we said <laughs> the athletic department before, I know what are you going to say. That's
1: I. Uh, they made it the, the, the
0: The previous athletic department made choices that were like, well, we need an adult in the room and he's here and he knows how we do things that was a higher priority than this guy's a proven winner. Like if I'm asking Troy 75, would you rather have someone that knows what the ins and outs of the athletic department are and is an adult in the room or someone that is a proven winner? Troy 75 would say proven winner. If you care about winning, you'd say proven winner. If you don't, and you'd rather just kind of keep everything status quo and not have someone come in and upset the apple cart and make waves. Then you say, no, I want the guy that knows what we're all about that will not make waves and will just kind of keep things going and hope that he wins. Troy 75 doesn't want to hope to win. He wants to win and I get it. And you know, you're right, but that's just not what the athletic department had done in the past. And I know how you want to project that to the current athletic department. I'm just giving you the gut from talking to those guys. I feel like they do want to win. I feel like they want to fix this. They have their way of doing it. I could disagree with the way that they're going, but I, I couldn't have told you Lynn Swan really wanted to make this a winning football program. I couldn't have told you that Pat Hayden didn't want to really make it a winning football program. I, I can tell you with confidence that these guys want to, that that Bone and Sausen, they, they want to make it a winning program again. I don't know if they'll get them there, but I feel like they're at least trying. And before, what USC fans were getting was an athletic department that wasn't necessarily trying. If they lucked into winning, that was great. If they didn't, it wasn't like they were pushing everything around it to go towards winning. And now, like I said before, the college football landscape is so different you have to all be on the same page, and you have to be pushing towards winning. You are competing with, I mean, all those SEC teams. They're trying to compete with Alabama and just do whatever they can to do. Alabama is like at the top of the mountain, right? USC's not to like the the, the lap dogs that are like licking at you know Nick Saban's feet. USC's not there. Like they need to like get really a lot better to get to the point where they would just be just below Alabama. Um, it's gonna take a full effort from the athletic department and you need good people to run it. My gut feeling is they've got good people there, but they're not going to fix it overnight. But yes, Clayton's not going to be the guy that's challenging Nick Saban. If they played Alabama this year, it would have been a bloodbath. I feel it was the same thing with, with Notre Dame. Um, that's just my thoughts on it, Troy. So I, I get it. Um, but I, you don't have to put your confidence in anybody. I've, I feel pretty confident that these guys are going to get it done. It's probably not going to be as fast as, as I would have liked or, or many of you would have liked. But I feel like they're putting the pieces in place to, to get to that, that destination where you could actually be you know, the West Coast power again. I think that's what USC should be. They should be the West Coast power where Ohio State's the, the Big Ten power. Oklahoma's the Big 12 power. You know, Alabama is mostly the SEC power. and You got some other guys that are still really good. And Clemson's the ACC power. There's no reason USC shouldn't be the Pac-12 power, the West Coast power. And then, you know, you get a good season where you, you don't lose any games and you make the playoff. And I think that would be another step, though, to you make the playoff. Can you win games? Oklahoma's making the playoff. They're not winning games. Um, they're being pretty competitive, though. So I think that's the first step, though, is Dominate the West Coast. It shouldn't be that hard to dominate the West Coast. Then it's going to be harder to compete with the big boys. But dominating the West Coast should not be that difficult. And I feel like that's something that uh, a new head coach could do pretty quickly with the resources around them.
1: Yep. I completely agree, Ryan.
0: (laughs) I've been on like so many rants today.
1: You have, but it's great. They were needed and they were well done. So props to you. Thanks. I'm not uh, adding anything else.
0: <laughs> should we go into like COVID philosophies and uh, and vaccines and stuff? No.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's make this controversial. <laughs> You'd rather, yeah.
0: She's like, she's like, I'd much rather you go on these crazy rants than talking about it this other stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Keely has to keep me in line, people. So that's. It's
1: what... true. I'm here to <laughs> crack the whip.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well. Uh, I think we're done. I don't think I can talk. Yeah, anymore.
1: that's it. I, I said that was it. That's the last we have.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for all the questions and uh Yeah, thank you all. Um appreciate it. Good stuff. Thanks again to uh Trader Joe's and make sure you go over to USCfootball.com. Like really, if you have not signed up for the VIP stuff, get over there. If you want to do a annual stuff, they're doing 30% off right now. But if you just want to try it out, it's a buck. Like just try it out for a dollar. You get a month uh of access. So a lot of good stuff will be leading up to signing day. And all of that. So uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And, you know, there'll be a lot of breaking news this off offseason. Uh, we can guarantee you that. Because there always is. But uh, stay tuned to that. And uh, we'll keep these uh, podcasts rolling throughout the offseason. So we need your questions. We need your topics. Any kind of things you want to talk about. I didn't think it would be a long day today. But, you know, somehow we went an hour and a half. So Oops. here we are. <laughs>
1: wow.
0: It was like the third podcast of the week. And it's like an hour and a half long. Like, how how is this possible? But here I we are. Know.
1: Yep. It always starts with, well, we covered everything already before this podcast, and then we still talk forever. So (laughs) you never know.
0: Nice. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. For Keely Orr, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.